Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Hello and welcome to TV Concierge Daily Podcast, where Ringer staffers help you navigate the crowded TV landscape. I am Chris Ryan, and today I am joined by Kevin Clark, and we are here to discuss Sunderland Till I Die. Kev, give people the short pitch on why they should watch Sunderland Till I Die. Did you ever want to see Ricky Gervais's character from The Office, David Brent, run a soccer team? <laughs> yes. That's it. That's the pitch. So Charlie Methvin, so there's two seasons and two regimes. And so the first season of Sunderland Until I Die is about their first foray into the championship after dropping down from the Premier League. They go back down to the championship and then they And for struggle. people who don't know what that means, yeah. that would be basically the equivalent of if a Major League Baseball team suddenly yeah. had to go play AAA. Right. It's supposed to be a glorious triumph for them to get back up. They end up firing their manager. They end up basically being revealed as sort of a clown show, and then they go down again. So imagine that that Major League Baseball team is in double A, and that's where season two picks up. There are new owners because of the financial uh, mismanagement, basically, that the owner, Ella Short, just wanted to get rid of it. And this new guy, Stuart Donald, comes in. He installs a number two named Charlie Methvin, who is... So there's a scene in season two where he decides to start playing techno in the stadium that let's say Pine Barrens is the best episode of TV of all time. Okay. Sure. Right behind it is Charlie Methvin saying, I want the atmosphere to be a little bit Ibiza. <laughs> like that's, that's where we're at with season two. It was, um, they come in with all sorts of, of bad ideas. They come in saying they're going to financially manage the team and, and there's there's no going to be no more free lunches anymore. And then by episode like four, they're doubling their bid for Will Grigg and making the same mistakes that everybody else makes. Um, it's a really intriguing look into the city and how I, I think one of the mistakes having seen this now that American access TV makes, uh, whether that's hard knocks or all or nothing is there's nothing on the relationship. You know, I think Cleveland would be an amazing city yeah. to explore the relationship between this long-suffering team and their long-suffering fan base. Sunderland does a really good job of that. And then you also just get a look at the team and how things work. I think that there's a long history of sort of tell-all soccer books, whether that's all played out by Pete Davies or the glory game before that about Tottenham Hotspur, where there's a fly on the wall and they just tell you what's really going on inside these locker rooms. And I think Sunderland Until I Die does a really good job at sort of updating that for the Netflix age. Yeah, I mean, a couple of years ago, I think maybe five, six years ago, I remember watching Hard Knocks and thinking, why don't we just do a lot of these? Like, why do yeah. we have to wait for this once a year? And now we were reaping what we sow because if you open up any one of your streaming services right now, you're practically drowning in all access docuseries about any number of sporting uh, mm -hmm. sports clubs from any number of leagues. There's a preponderance of professional soccer ones right now, much to my delight since I don't have any soccer to watch for the most part. And, you know, for the most part, they're, they are about 
good teams. Manchester City, Borussia yeah. Dortmund, Juventus all have series Bra- tracking. The, the Brazilian, the Brazilian national team, the Brazilian national yeah. team, and you can find those. They're all or nothing on Amazon, and then there's a bunch that are on Netflix. Uh, the Juventus mm-hmm. one is on Netflix, and I think the Juventus one is my favorite of that batch. The Sunderland one is unique in that it is about a, a failure. It's about yeah. a collapse, and. It is a really interesting, like Kevin said, sociocultural snapshot of a place in England that was sort of at the the forefront or the night, the tip of the spear for the Brexit movement. It was the first sort of um, when they had the original Brexit referendum. Sunderland was the first area to kind of go leave. That was yeah. a very it was a shocking development because Sunderland is traditionally a pretty labor a labor stronghold, and labor had associated itself with with Remain. And so there's this interesting dynamic going on there in terms of the portrait of the city. And then, you know, I think that what typically happens is when a team drops down from the Premier League into the championship, they get something called a parachute payment. So they have Mm -hmm. a lot of money coming uh, to them and they wind up more often than not, I'm not sure about the math, but it's their best opportunity to go back to the Premier League is right after they've been relegated because that's when they have their coffers are relatively full. And not only does Sunderland not go back to the Premier League, but they have a really hard time of it otherwise. And that's a pretty rare thing to have so much uh, a fly on the wall insight into. Yeah, and and they are. I, I think that the ownership or the the leadership in both seasons doesn't know what they don't know, and so that they present themselves. I saw that the the producers of the documentary said that the new owners Charlie Methvin and Stuart Donald were honest to a fault, and that's actually how you create good television like that's the the office comparison is not that far off because they are saying things they think are crushing it and they're just not crushing it like that's the simplest way to say it even in the first season there's a scene where martin bain who's the ceo was like man we should get jack rodwell who's like the bust to just cancel his contract and like that would save us so much money which is just incredibly unrealistic and they spend 10 minutes on him just being like well we're going to give him to the end of his day to cancel his contract and then we can free up money there's no incentive for him to cancel his contract and so you're just sitting there being like why does this guy think this is like a saving grace this is going to save him that this guy's going to out of nobility say i don't want your paychecks anymore i mean it was just it was a interesting insight you know you talked about why we don't have more of these with hard knocks i told the story on bachelor party a couple weeks ago about formula one but i had told the NFL, some NFL executives about the Formula One series a couple of, of years ago when it first came out. And I said, you guys should be doing this. And they said, they've talked about releasing all or nothing weekly during the season. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the next step. But they they are so correctly worried about just the level of access football coaches want to give, NFL coaches want to give. And they're not going to be in Worried the because they worry that they would want to be too candid? No, just the oh. opposite. Oh, it would opposite. actually be very boring. And what you have in Sunderland is a type of desperation that leads itself to brutal honesty. Yeah. And I think that you're not, you don't get that very often. And you don't get that with like a man city where everything was firing on all cylinders. And that's why I think that this was uh, uniquely positioned to, to teach us a lot about how sports works and how bad sports works. Yeah. And also, I mean, if you've been even a relatively casual fan of the Premier League over the last, I'd say, 10 to 15 years, you'll see some names that you recognize probably. Yeah. I mean, especially in season one, Sunderland features a few holdovers from Manchester United's glory days like Darren Gibson and John O'Shea, not necessarily the greatest players who ever put on uh, red and black, but they are like at least notable names. Mm-hmm. And you can really see 
uh, oh, like Lee Cattermole shows up. He, yeah. He's in that if I for season, but you can really see that like some of the people in the dock really have stars in their eyes. They're like, this is really cool that I get to talk to a camera crew all the time because a, a club like Sunderland is not usually the subject for this much attention. Right. Yes, exactly. And then Chris Coleman came in halfway through the season one, who was Wales's manager at the Euros. He's a little more of an established guy. And he did not like the arrangement. He was pretty candid in saying, I, I don't like the fact that there's, <laughs> there's cameras everywhere. And that revealed itself when a fan called him, was it a wanker? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> I think it was. And instead of him brushing it off, he stopped, cameras on him, and just starts screaming like, I'm a father of four kids. <laughs> like, how dare you call me? That. Yeah, and then he, a, they it, just, it was a real like I have a I drive a Dodge Stratus. Moment. Yeah, it was really, it was a very tense moment, and that's the kind of thing. Again, you don't get that unless you happen to be chronicling a bad team. There's yeah. a reason this is not coming back, and it's probably because the ownership is like this is not this is not making us look as good as we thought it was going to look. While we have whoever is still listening to this, while we still have their attention, Kev, why don't we tell them a little bit about some of the other global soccer docs and docuseries that we've been watching, especially during these last couple of weeks, but in general, because there is, it, we are having kind of a moment with these things. Can I pitch you on the English game? Julian Fellows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Julian Fellows, a mini series about the beginnings of soccer when a team that had working class, essentially iron or coal workers, uh, went against the old Etonians who were you know, alumni or yeah. of Eton. And Posh they, guys, played yeah. the, they played in the FA Cup. It is ludicrous. It is barely historical, but I could not get enough of it. Like they merged different teams. They said teams that won in one year, won in the other, like whatever. They, play, they played fast and loose with the facts. They invented entire arcs and narratives. They, they left out huge parts of the history. It's fine. This was, and I mean this in the nicest way possible, if a Ralph Lauren catalog from like 1994 became self-aware like that's what this was like the games everyone's wearing great long sleeve t-shirts and nice shorts uh everybody looks phenomenal just incredible grooming um i i enjoyed it uh from just a like my wife loves downtown abbey i love soccer we were like julian fellows does soccer we're in you know exactly what it's going to look like okay and and it, it is that there's nothing that strays from this is julian fellows doing soccer and it's funny because I had read about, there's a book called The Ball is Round by David Goldblatt where they talk about when Old Etonians played the, the team and went up 5-1 and then, and then ended up being tied 5-5. The game that, that's illustrated early in the series. And it seems like a kind of hard scrabble game that you wouldn't want to, I don't know. I mean, it's co-workers. It's hard to glamorize it. And Julian Fellows turns it into a glamorous, glamorous thing. It is a beautiful thing to watch. I would just recommend that people check out First Team Juventus. That's probably my favorite one of the team portrait ones that are up now. You can, like we said before, mm -hmm. there's the Brazilian national team one. Man City and Borussia Dortmund both have documentaries on Amazon, but First Team Juventus is on Netflix. And I really like it. The big one is when All or Nothing Tottenham comes out, which will illustrate Mauricio Pochettino's downfall with unlimited access, which is like... <laughs> That is a mixture of the kind of good teams we're talking about plus the Sunderland Till I Die desperation aspect. I think right. that has the real possibility to be amazing. Yeah, I can't wait for that one. Um, but yeah, the Juventus one is great just because of the insight it gives into like, not the private lives, like you learn a lot about like 
you know, the, uh, like anything about their families necessarily, although you do get to see some nice moments of, of players, with their families. But I really loved like what life is like in Turin, Italy for a really well-played soccer player. Uh, yeah. It's it's pretty awesome. Like Claudio Marchisio and uh, Gigi Buffon and all these guys who have like just these amazing villas and and just take coffee in the middle of the day and like kick a ball back and forth with their kid for a few minutes. It's a really really cool portrait and it's really interesting. You just get to see a lot of Italy in it and it's it's a it's a really cool doc. Really, I mean these are these are and they're only like shows. it's only like six episodes, so it's pretty easy to get through. All of these are sports shows, but they're really just merged with something else. Like a lot of the good team stuff, it's really just like HGTV. It's like wow, look at. Look at uh, G- uh, Gigi Buffon's house. That's amazing. Exactly. Like yeah. that, it, it's it's that it is endlessly entertaining, and there's a reason that these succeed, and there's a reason, quite frankly, that I think a show like Hard Knocks has become a little bit stale, and might need to to shake things up a little bit with some of the ideas borrowed from more of these these forward looking documentaries. Yeah, I agree with you. So we've got Sunderland Till I Die. We've got a bunch of other football documentaries, The English Game and um, and Juventus First Team. Check them out. But Sunderland Till I Die and is leads, definitely worth and your leads, time. Leads, leads oh, on Amazon. Yes, I oh. want to talk about this very quickly. So uh, Bielsa is a lunatic. Yeah. And more of him is a good thing. I would say the only thing, Russell Crowe is the narrator. You get a lot of Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, if you were worried yeah. about not having enough Russell Crowe in, in isolation, you got him. And I think that the only thing is that once Bielsa gets there, it's generally competent and things are on the upswing. So you yeah, he's too a good. Lot of the, yeah, he's too good. It, it, it's, it has the makings of something great, but they're just like, things were going well for them. With the exception, by the way, of the, the fight with Frank Lampard, which obviously is part of that. But it's it's still really good and worth a watch. Yeah, Leeds is sort of the flip side of Sunderland. They're like, they're doing it right in the second division where Sunderland right. just kind of goes basement diving. All right, Kevin, thank you so much. This has been TV Concierge. We'll be back tomorrow with some more TV talk. Mm-hmm.